Good evening and welcome to a Saturday evening, November the, is it the 8th? 7th? 6th. 6th. Sixth. November the, I was close. You were. November the 6th edition of the Christian Underground News Network. I'm your host, Kurt Chamberlain, along with your co-host, Pastor Dick Chamberlain, and our regular Saturday night, sometimes Sunday night guest, Lucas Doremus. Uh, yeah, it's good to have you aboard again tonight, Lucas. Thank you for joining us. And I, I know we've got some listeners out there uh, waiting to hear some more about uh, general parables. Uh, I've been keeping track of the, the hit totals uh, a little more than I normally do, since we now have three speakers, three teachers on. And uh, boy, I'll tell you what, it, the parables are getting quite a bit of attention. And I just want you to know that no pressure, buddy, but man, people are listening up. So uh, tonight you've told me we're going to go through one parable in particular and maybe spend uh, a fair amount of time on it. Uh, which, which parable might that be, sir? This is the parable of the children in the marketplace. Oh, okay. The parable of the children in the marketplace. Now, I know the parable. Probably not as well as you do, but I, you're going to explain some things that are going to turn a light bulb on in my head. So uh, with that and no further ado, I'm going to turn it over to you, sir. Tell us about the children, the parable of the children of the marketplace. All righty. Yeah, as Curtis said, uh, we're going to hopefully camp out here for a while because I love this parable. I can tell you when I finally studied this and understood it, boy, did this parable just light up so many, you know, areas of life that you're like, oh, that's why things are the way they are. Oh, yeah. um, and that's one of these parables. Uh, <laughs> me and Pastor Dick, we call those the flat forehead moments, don't we? Yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Where yeah. we go. Oh, why didn't I see, yeah. <laughs> see that coming? Okay. So this is this parable. We're going to it's in Matthew also, but we're going to look at it in Luke chapter 7. Uh, what's, what's going on in Luke chapter 7 is Jesus is speaking to a multitude, and uh, what's happening is John the Baptist has sent uh, some messengers uh, to Jesus. Uh, now, what's actually happening, John the Baptist is actually having a weak moment of faith here. Um, he is doubting because of his circumstances. He's doubting that Jesus might be the Messiah or could not be the Messiah. So he sends some messengers to Jesus, um, and Jesus affirms uh, through his miracles that, yes, he is the coming Messiah, and that's all in this chapter. Um, and then what Jesus starts to say, he starts to get very, very complimentary on John the Baptist, um, and so as to far, far to say that uh, I could chapter uh, 7 of Luke, verse 28, he says, for I say to you, among those born of women, there is no, not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. Wow. You know, so he, he, Jesus is speaking very highly of John the Baptist, but interestingly, right after he says that, in verse 28, he says, but he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Now, I don't know about you, Pastor Dick and Curtis, but I always kind of pause when I read verses like that, where Jesus says, this is the greatest prophet that ever lived, uh, yeah. but he who's least is greater than him. 
Mm-hmm. Boy, it, it just causes you to pause like, oh, what does that really mean? You know, um, it, I think I don't know. I'm going to say I don't know exactly what it means other than I think we're going to be very surprised who gets the most rewards in heaven. Uh, probably. Yes. Yeah. I, I think the people who maybe just sat for hours a day and prayed in their closet um, are going to get a lot more rewards than maybe the people we think they will. Um, that's, that's, that's yep, that's all I can say. Um, but uh, in verse 20, 29 of Luke 7, he says, And when all the people heard him, even the tax collectors justified God, having been baptized uh, with the baptism of John. Now, that baptism was in preparation of the Messiah. Correct. And we know from the early chapters of Luke and, and, uh, and Matthew um, that the Pharisees didn't look too highly upon John. Um, they were kind of critical of him, and, uh, and so they didn't get baptized by him, and that's what it says in verse 30. It says, but the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the will of God for themselves, not having been baptized him, uh, because John was coming to prepare for the Messiah. So um, Jesus knows that, and so we start our parable in verse 31. It says, and the Lord said, to what then shall I liken the men of this generation, and what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another, saying, we play the flute for you, and you did not dance. We mourn to you, and you did not weep. And so that's the parable. Um, basically, what that parable is saying, you have a group of children doing two vastly different things. You're playing music. Um, and you're mourning, and either way, the people they're doing this to, they don't change their response, and, and you should, I mean, you know, if you just, I'm going to key in on the music, if you play happy music, you know, generally people are more happy, but if you play very somber music, uh, that will make people a little more sad, it should elicit different responses, and so what Jesus is saying here, uh, and then we'll read it right out of the text, Jesus is saying that it doesn't matter what uh, evidence or circumstances or facts or anything are given to you, you Pharisees act the exact same. Mm -hmm. and, we know, and we know that's the case because in verse 33, it says, for John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say he has a demon. The son of man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look, a glutton and a wine babbler or ba Wine bibber? Is that the word? <laughs> wine bibber, yeah. Wine bibber. Sorry, I can't speak. A friend of tax collectors and sinners. So Jesus is making the point, John the Baptist and Jesus's lifestyles were very different. Um, John the Baptist essentially abstained from everything in normal society. The guy wore camel hair and he ate bugs and honey. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> And Jesus, well, he ate with the tax collectors and he indulged in all those things in society. Either way, with both people, the Pharisees said essentially the same thing about that you aren't from God. So what this parable is, again, I, I, I kind of say it this way, that people will believe uh, what they want to believe. Oh, and yeah. so, yep. <laughs> and so we're just going to sit here now. Verse 35, this is a real key to the parable, but wisdom is justified by all her children. See, the people who do change their responses based on, 
you know, what they're presented with, they are the wise ones. Now, what Jesus is saying here with that wisdom is justified by all her children, there will be a day where it will be proven as wisdom to believe in John the Baptist and Jesus's messages. Right. There will be a day. Now, I think that day was about 2000 years ago when Jesus rose from the dead, um, but still people have denied it up until now. Sure. And they will, and they will continue to deny it. But yep. there will be a day where that's not the case. There will be a day when every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Yep, that and Jesus, Jesus Christ is Lord, and He'll the come Lord to be admired by yep. everyone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Jesus is saying, "Look, no matter what the response is, you generation, you Jews, you Pharisees, you are not changing your response, but wisdom is justified." by wisdom, because eventually I will raise from the dead and it will prove that everything was right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so really what, what this parable in the modern vernacular and what we're going to spend some time on here, what this is called is the word called presupposition. Mm. Now, if you would uh, go to a seminar and go, oh, I'd like to hear the seminar on presuppositions, um, you know, I might look at you and go, great, I'd like to watch paint dry too. Um, which actually I like painting. So I do watch paint dry, but that's, that's a whole okay. other story. <laughs> but uh, the, the world would kind of have you think, well, what, what happens is you're presented when something comes to you where you need to make a decision. Uh, you're given evidence, uh, facts, truths, uh, hypotheses, thoughts, and then you're supposed to look at all that and then you're supposed to make some kind of, you know, decision about what you believe about whatever you're presented with. Yeah. Um, you know, that's how we're, well, if you just fact check or do this or certain thing, well, then you'll believe the right thing. The problem is that's not actually how humans work. We actually, all that evidence that we hear, all those truth claims, all the hypotheses, we filter those through how we already think. And then we make a determination of what we think about what we've heard. And that's called presuppositions. And that's what Jesus is saying, is he's saying people will believe what they want to believe. Um, now, the interesting thing about that is I like to take this subject and you really go back down to the fundamentals. And anybody that doesn't have God, they actually have to assume God exists in order to make sense of the world. That's right. And, and, here, and here, I'll give you an example. Nobody on the planet, and I know I live in America, and I don't know how everybody lives, but I'm going to, I can be reasonably sure that nobody, when they go to bed, they chain themselves to their bed because they're afraid gravity will not work in the morning. <laughs> good. Uh, that's a good example. Yep. Yeah. Nobody does that. And, and the reason I'm saying that is everybody assumes order yeah. in order to make their lives work we all assume that the sun's going to come up the next morning yeah uh, we all assume that there are seasons um, interestingly those are those are two things that god said would never cease after the flood but really? the, the, the point i'm making is that everybody has these assumptions of order that make that make them make sense of the world now if you follow the evolutionary perspective that all this is random, you have no basis for thinking that. Your only basis is it happens every day, so there's a good chance it'll happen tomorrow. 
That's true, but that's actually still assuming order, which is from God or a creator, an intelligent designer, and not this randomness. Um, Why don't I wake up in the morning with with four legs instead of four arms? You know, Um, why do, you know, cats always produce cats? Um, And why do they always come out basically the same? I know there's mutations and variations. I get all that, but they're still cats. And so we all have these presuppositions, these thoughts that make us make sense of the world. Now, here's where I like to go, because one of the things when you start talking like this is people start to use circuit, say you use circular reasoning. And it's actually really easy to prove that everybody uses circular reasoning at some point. Everybody. Yeah. And you know what? I'm here to tell you that is okay. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that as long as we all just assume, look, I have a starting point. I know it's circular. So do you. Yeah. And, I'll give, and I'll give everybody, this is my favorite example. Uh, if I go to the hardware store and I ask them to give me a foot of rope, yeah. they would measure me out a foot of rope, cut it off and give it to me. But if I would ask, I would say, well, how do you know that's a foot? And they said, well, I measured it by the ruler that I use. And I'd say, well, how do you know that ruler is a foot? Well, I bought it from, you know, the supplier and I know the supplier does these and they're very accurate. Well, how do you know the supplier is accurate? Well, because they got the measurement from, you know, the standards of weights and measures and, you know, and I could keep going back far enough until eventually you get to the point where I say, well, how do you know that's a foot? And somebody would say, because it is. And you and you see yeah. how see how that's circular. Sure, sure. It's a it's a foot because I know it's a foot. Yeah. What I just did is I appealed to the the uh, the fundamental, the highest priority, the standard, whatever you want to call it, and every standard is circular. Mm-hmm. So where I'm going is I believe the Bible because I believe the Bible. There you yeah. go. I, I don't use evidence to prove the Bible because if I did, then that evidence would be the ultimate authority of truth and not the Bible. Right. And so if I would say, well, I believe the Bible because the Dead Sea Scrolls give it great accuracy and we can track that, which by the way is true. Mm-hmm. If I would say that that's the reason I believe the Bible, well, then the Dead Sea Scrolls are my source of authority, not the Bible. Yeah. Uh, if I would say, well, I believe the Bible because I really like the King James and it just, you know, I just like it. Well, then the problem is the translators of the kingdom, the King James version are actually my authority source, not the Bible. Now, we should do research on all these things and have a good reason for why we use a certain version and all that. But at some point, I'm here to tell you, I believe the Bible because I believe the Bible. And if you're arguing with, yep. And if you're arguing, (laughs) if you're arguing with somebody and they accuse you of circular reason, you say, that's fine because how do you know what's true? And through whatever questions you ask somebody, eventually they're going to get to the point that says, I believe I'm right because I know I'm right uh-huh. and their own reason, their own logic, you know, whatever you want to call it, rationale, that's their ultimate authority. So you just, okay, you got to pick of a source authority. It's circular. I got to pick my source of authority. It's the Bible and that's circular. 
that's okay. So to kind of review where I'm going, when I'm presented with evidence in the world or circumstances in the world or whatever it is, I filter those through the Bible, my presuppositions, my source of authority, and then I make the determination on that. Now, does that mean I don't use evidence like the Dead Sea Scrolls to support the Bible's accuracy? No, nope, of course doesn't mean that at all. Of course we do. And we should provide people that evidence. Mm-hmm. But we don't believe the Bible because of the evidence, if that makes sense. Because then that evidence becomes our source of authority. Um, the, evidence, the evidence should support our faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if I put my faith in archaeology, what if there's an archaeological find that makes it look like the Bible isn't true? Now, I firmly believe they will never find one of those things, but they have found things that make it look like the Bible's not true. And so if I put my authority on that, well, now I don't believe the Bible because such and such artifact got found. Well, maybe next month they'll find another artifact. Well, now I do believe the Bible because such and such artifact. And you see how I go back and forth? You know, the Bible's true and then it isn't and then it is and then it isn't. But instead, if you just believe the Bible yeah. and yeah. you don't, you, you just believe it, I'm here to tell you that will make your life go infinitely better. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> the Christian life is not a ping pong match. Mm-hmm. Not only will you go to heaven because you'll be believing in Jesus, but your life here on earth will make more sense. You'll be able to make sense of the world. You'll have more wisdom. It'll just make sense. As soon as you start to doubt what the Bible says, the Bible has something to say about that. Actually, let's just turn there. So in James chapter one, I can tell you what will happen when, if you don't believe the Bible, but instead I'll just read it from this. Hmm. So in verse five of James chapter one, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now, when we ask for wisdom, our source of wisdom should be the Bible. So if we want wisdom, we got to go read it. But then in verse six, it says this, but let him ask in faith with no doubting for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So when you doubt the Bible, when you doubt what it says, you are not going to get whatever you ask of God. Uh, Here's a very practical way this happens. Um, I don't know about you guys, but you see lots of ways that people reject God all the time. And you know what, by the way, me and both of you also do that all the time also, (laughs) lest anybody think I'm making myself better than anybody else. Um, But you know what's interesting is when people reject God and reject the Bible, when something goes wrong, usually their first instinct is to blame God. Yep. You ever seen that happen? (laughs) Many times, yes. God, I don't want anything to do to you, but how dare you do that to me? Yeah. (laughs) Well, wait a minute. You know, that's not how he works. Um, And so that's just, that's some practical things about just believing the Bible. Now, one more thing, Uh, when you understand this parable, which is really just 
doing exactly that, that people are going to believe what their authority is that they deem in their life. It makes sense of say what we hear on the news. Um, I don't know about you, uh, Curtis, but remember the argument with, uh, with abortion that it's uh, it's my body, my choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which that, that isn't true because there's another body and life um, there, but that's the typical, well, one of the common arguments, it's my body, my choice, so I can make my choice. Right. Well, aren't we able to use that same reasoning right now with a certain shot they're trying to push on us? I believe we could. Can't I make the exact same argument that my body, my choice? Not unless you want to be canceled. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. See how the argument shifted? Exact same logic, exact sure. same reasoning. But now, since the what what is trying to be said or reasoned or uh, pushed has changed, now they that it, they apply it to things they they that are convenient to them. Mm-hmm. They, they, believe, go, they go back to their point of the circle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They believe what they want to believe. Yep. And you and you know what? When I hear that, you just say, look, we danced at you and you you did, or we played the flute and you did not dance. We mourned at you and you did not weep. And that's exactly what's going on. Um, I remember last year that this, you know, it, it was, you got made fun of if you tried to tell somebody that someone who died, died of anything. Uh, but a virus, a certain virus, <laughs> you were kind of laughed at. Well, now there, there was a figure named Colin Powell in the United uh-huh. States that died a little while ago. Um, and he had some, you know, he had some other medical things. And now because of all those other medical things, which was probably why he died. Now, those are all the reasons you need to get a shot. Yeah. See, last year, those reasons didn't even exist. This year, they're the reasons you need to do what we say. Hmm. And it's the same reasoning. Look, and you just say, look, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We mourned at you and you did not weep. That's exactly what's going on. People believe what they want to believe. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus, Jesus could do all the miracles he was prophesied to do. And, you know, even John said that all the things Jesus did couldn't be contained in all the libraries of the world. Mm-hmm. The Pharisee has every piece of evidence they could ask for, yet they still rejected him. Yeah. Um, the Lazarus and the rich man, uh, if we remember that story, the rich man wanted to go back to his brothers to warn them. Mm-hmm. And do you remember what Abraham said? Okay, let's. Abraham said, you have the prophets. They can believe them. Yep. And the rich man said, no, Father Abraham, if one goes back from the dead, they'll repent. But then Abraham said, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded through the one rise from the dead. Right. So if they don't believe the Bible, they're not going to believe if somebody comes back from the dead and tells them, hey, the Bible's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They've already got their chance. So my encouragement, believe the Bible and what it says. In fact, let's go through some of those things about why we should believe the Bible. Uh, Turn to Proverbs chapter 30. Oh, boy. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) You you know where I'm going. Oh, yeah. Verse five. (laughs) That's exactly where I'm going. So we're going to this is a this is going to be a short journey. 
through all the things the Bible has to say about itself. Um, the Bible claims to be true and all those things, but the first one of the things it claims is that it's inerrant and complete. In Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5, it says, every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. See, trust, believe the Bible. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. See, not only is it pure, it's inerrant, it's completely true, but don't add to it. The Bible says that twice in the book of Revelation, says the same thing. Don't add to God's word. Mm-hmm. Don't subtract from it. Revelation 22, verse 18, if, mm-hmm. if you want it on the record. But yeah. Yep. Right. And so with our with our parable, too, if you ever hear anybody claiming to write um, Revelation chapter 23. There's no Revelation 23. Yep. But they'll, they'll never come out and say, hey, I'm writing the next chapter in the Bible. They'll never say it like that. <laughs> but... <laughs> If you start to get the feeling where they're adding to the word of God and claiming it is the authoritative work of God, just be careful. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. That's the yeah. same way with, with speaking in unknown tongues. That's, e- not, that's not a revelation from God. Mm-hmm. Now, I, yep, I think God speaks through his word. I think he speaks to us through prayer. Yep. You know, I think there's ways he does that now. So I, I'm not saying God doesn't do those things, but the word of God is complete. We don't get to add to it. That's correct. That's not, right. not only is it complete, but it has no contradictions in it. Uh, turn to first Corinthians chapter 14. Oh boy. We were there this morning. Oh, well, I'll get to listen to that tomorrow. Great. Okay. Okay. Um, have, have a good time. <laughs> I will believe me. Okay. Uh, so in, in this 14, so if you've listened to Pastor Dick, this is all about tongues. Yeah, um, it is. I, I'm going to key in on one verse uh, that it has application beyond the tongues. Uh, yeah. In verse 33, it says, for God is not the author of confusion. Absolutely but of- right. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. he is talking, yeah, it, contextually, he is talking specifically about tongues and church and things like that. Yeah. But it's true that he's not the author of confusion in general, right? which means he's not going to contradict what he said on Wednesday, speaking on Thursday. Yep. He's not going to contradict in the New Testament what he said in the Old Testament. Right on. And so we know there's no contradictions, because if there were, then God would be a God of confusion. Yeah. Um, now, this is uh, another thing that I think is worth saying. Um, turn to Proverbs 1. Everyone or anyone can understand the Bible. Uh, The Bible is not only able to be understood by a certain class of people or a certain people that have certain letters or degrees after their name. It can be understood by anyone. That's correct. Uh, And how wonderful that is. So in the beginning of Proverbs, uh, chapter one, verse one, it says the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give prudence to the simple. Now, that word simple can be translated fool. Well, I know I'm a fool. I don't know everything. And if the book of Proverbs is being written 
two people that are simple or foolish, well, then I know it's being written to me. And if it's being written to me to say to know wisdom, to perceive understanding, to receive instruction, well, that means I can understand it. So let's keep going. Verse four, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. Uh, young people out there, and when I say young, I don't know exactly what I mean by that. <laughs> well, you're not talking to me. I well, to... <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I'm in my mid-30s, so am I the young man? Uh, are young men, you know, teenagers and under? I don't really know. But if you think in any way, shape, or form you're young, the, the book of Proverbs is written to you. That's right. And it says young man, but of course it's written to women too. Because Solomon was writing to his sons. But of course, women can understand it. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. Verse five, a wise man will hear and increase learning and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. Now, if you are wise, when you hear things, you'll increase learning. And not only will you hear and increase your learning, but you'll also be able to attain counsel. Now, what that means is God will put people in your life that you can go ask questions to, and they'll give you the right answers. And if they don't give you the right answers, boy, they're going to help you find the right answers, right? <laughs> well, that's why we talk to one another. Mm -hmm. I call and, you all the time. Yeah, we do it all the time, and it's all about the Word of God. Mm -hmm. And so I've, I've found some wise counsel here on earth. Um, well, that, that, that but, works both ways. Yeah, <laughs> All right. Verse six, to understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. So if we just stop there, the simple, the foolish, the young man, we can understand what Solomon is trying to say to us. And it, by extension, if we can understand one book of the Bible, of course, we can understand the rest of it. Now, yeah. that doesn't mean we don't have wrong opinions sometimes, because guess what? We're all growing. Um, yeah. I know I've believed wrong things in the past, or my understanding grows. It's, it's a journey. Yeah. And, and, and don't we kind of wish sometimes that God would just give us all the answers at the beginning, but, but no, he wants us to grow in him and trust him. As verse 7 mm -hmm. of Proverbs 1 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge okay and so yeah. you got to grow in it just because yeah. you don't get everything today doesn't mean you can't it's just I learn, something new every, I learn something new every day when i'm in the word of god every day um, mm -hmm. and that's why i stay in it every day so one of these days i'm going to know it all but that will be when i'm face to face with the lord jesus christ <laughs> that's okay. right and, and so often we're we're reminded of things too aren't we yep yeah, and I, and I, maybe there's not something brand spanking new every day, but boy, I need the reminder. And so, yeah, in the end of that verse seven, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom oh, and yeah. instruction. Right. <laughs> and so when you are faced with people who are just despising, hating, not wisdom and knowledge, you can just kind of say, look, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. And we mourned at you and you did not weep. Yeah. You're rejecting yeah. this. Yeah. Um, and Does so, that and parable that, say all of this? 
Oh, yeah, that's Isn't why we're that going great? into it. It's, yeah, this parable is so instructive. All yeah. right, so not only is the Bible inerrant and complete, not only are there no contradictions and anyone can understand it, but God says what he means and means what he says. That's right. <laughs> Turn Wait. to Numbers 23. Go ahead, Pastor. Were you going to say something? Well, I, when I was in a, in a chapel class at Bible College, the guy said, a guy said uh, to us, he, he was a great big man, and he came out behind the pulpit, stood on the front of the stage. He says, young men, if God said it, stand up and speak up. And if God didn't say it, sit down and shut up. And I've, that's been sort of a rule of my life now. Um, and so we always go to the word of what does God say? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, now, what was that chapter of Numbers? 23. Numbers 23. Now, okay. this, is, this is the story of Balaam. Um, now, I had to do some looking up on Balaam because I didn't quite understand this story. So Balaam is a false prophet. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but what is going on in chapter 23 is essentially God is not allowing him to say anything false. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because he was a guy named Balak. He was trying to pay Balaam off to yeah, curse yeah. the Israelites, and uh, Balaam was trying to go along with it, uh, but God wouldn't allow him to. Yeah, <laughs> and so right. and so this is a very interesting story. I encourage you to read it. But in uh, verse 19, 19, it says, "God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make good?" So when God says something, we know he's going to go through with it. And not only when he says something, will he go through with it? But what he said he's going to do, he's going to do. Yeah. <laughs> and another interesting thing about this chapter in verse 16, it says, and the Lord met Balaam and put a word in his mouth. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. I know where you're going, but no, okay, that's another podcast, all right? <laughs> okay, okay. Because, uh, because God is the one speaking, right, Pastor Dick? I'll, I'll, sit, I'll sit here and behave. Yep. God may be, you, <laughs> Balaam's vocal cords may be making the sound, but it's God speaking, right? <laughs> That's, that's, how I, that's how I saw it. Yep. So God says what he means and means what he says. Turn to Mark uh, chapter 10. So we're just going to be bouncing around if you have your Bible. Uh, just because I love this parable so much. And, you know, I guess you're, you're for, <laughs> you chose to listen to me. So I guess you're, <laughs> you're, just, you're just here, right? Uh, so um, in Mark chapter 10, verse 13. It says, then he brought little children to him and that he might touch them. So this is people bringing their children to Jesus. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them for of such is the kingdom of God. Yeah. Now, what does he mean of such? Well, he means children. Yeah. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid hands on them and blessed them. Uh, the reason why I'm putting this verse in here is because not only does God say what he means and mean what he says, but a child can understand it. 
Yeah. And, and, and sometimes we, you and I have to become as a child to mm -hmm. be able to under, understand a lot of this stuff. Mm -hmm. and that gets us over beyond the flat foreheaded moment. Yeah, that's right. Now, is a child going to understand everything like, say, Melchizedek? No. I, yeah, I, I think I would have a hard time understanding or explaining it. And maybe I don't even understand it right. But you know what? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that I can explain to my kids, and that yeah. they can understand. Yes. Um, you know, I, I, my kids, okay, so, you know, I can, I can brag on my kids sometimes, right? You know, sometimes things will happen, and my wife or me will get frustrated, and I've, one a time, I forget what even was happening, but my wife was discouraged about something, uh, and Jesus, and, uh, Eli, my older, just goes, mom, don't worry about it because Jesus will come back someday and it'll be all right. <laughs> like, Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, thou hast ordained yep. truth. Isn't and, that so? And boy, we look at that and go, you're right, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This, this won't matter someday because he's coming back. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, and I just love that. So God says what he means, means what he says, and a child can understand it. Now turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. But you know, as we get older, stuff happens, right, Pastor Dick? Yeah. We start to think we're really smart. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe you use the example of the emperor's new clothes, that story. <laughs> you know, the, yeah. the child was the only one honest to talk about what was really going on. Yeah. Um, well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, it says, But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Mm -hmm. Now, that word simplicity a lot of times means sincerity. And so God is, or, well, God through Paul here is communicating that, look, my message is simple. Don't overthink it. Right. Now, sometimes it takes us a while to understand a passage. Pastor, I know I've called you and we've sat on the phone for no, a number of minutes going, what does this verse mean? That's right. So sometimes it does take that deep study. But in yeah. the end of the day, once you finally figure it out, you go, well, that was easy. How'd I miss that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, in the case here, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, there was one rule that Adam and Eve had to follow, and it was extremely simple. Don't eat fruit from that tree, right. or, you, or you will die. You couldn't get simpler, yet in the span of a few sentences, the certain was able to deceive Eve into thinking that wasn't the case. Right. Yeah. So how easy is it? For us nowadays, um, in Timothy, it says uh, evil men and imposters will go worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Yep. That means the deceivers will be able to deceive people better. They'll be more deceptive and will be easier to be deceived. Mm -hmm. So how much more can we be deceived now than when Eve was there? Yeah. So that's why you've got to steal yourself with this word of God and believe it. That's now. Right. Uh, so not, it's an errand and complete, no contradictions. Anybody can understand it, even children. 
and God meant, says what he means and means what he says. Yeah. Turn to second Timothy chapter three. Mm. Now the Bible says, or talks about itself in a certain way and what it is and what it does and what it gives us. Yep. So in second Timothy chapter three, verse 16, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And before you say it, pastor, that sentence literally is all scripture God breathed. That's what it is. And before you say it, try to make a sound with your mouth closed. That's correct. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I did that in a Sunday school class one to a very good Christian man. And I said, hold your breath and try to say something. Mm -hmm. And he went, and he held his breath, and then he went oh, and said something. And I said, "You had to, you had to let breath out. You'd stop mm -hmm. that. You know better than that." And he got the message. Yep. And so, and that's what. And we were on inspiration. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and and I think earlier this week, last week, uh, I called you about the word "all." Yep. All means all. Yep. All is such a powerful word. So every... I remember, I remember what we talked about, and that word "all" was in those first six verses that we talked about. Mm -hmm. And without the word "all," it meant nothing. Mm -hmm. All yeah. Scripture, God breathed. That's right. And then, as we go on, it says, "Is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in right. righteousness." Now let's stop. Doctrine. Well, that tells us what to believe, right? That's exactly right. Doctrine means a teaching. Yep. So the Bible is trying to teach us what to think. Yep. Uh, right. The next part for reproof. Well, that's correcting what you think. Yep. So the Bible tells us what to think and what not to think. And then it says for correction. Well, when you correct a child, you're correcting their behavior. And that's what they do. And yep. then it says for instruction in righteousness. Well, that's what to do. And when you think about it, it really can't get more complete than that. So the Bible right. tells us what to think, what not to think, what to do, what not to do. It, it really doesn't get more complicated than that. So when well, you believe the, it, it gets more complicated if you don't believe the word of God. And that's exactly right, because the Bible is going to tell you what to think and what not to think. And it's going to tell you what to do and what not to do. But as soon as you doubt it, well, you might end up thinking something you shouldn't or doing something you shouldn't. Right. And then that, then the sentence goes on though, doesn't it? It doesn't stop there. There's a purpose to all that, isn't there? That the man of God <clears throat> may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, just like the word all, the word every means every, all of them. Yeah. <laughs> So if we know what to think and what not to think, and we know what to do and what not to do, well, obviously, we're going to be ready for anything we have to do. We should be. Mm -hmm. But if you don't believe the word of God. Now, I can't remember the, I don't, I can't remember the address, but he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. In James chapter four, yep. And we know what to do good. Because mm -hmm. the word of God tells us what. Mm -hmm. Okay. So at any point, uh, if you're listening to this, and at any point in your life you say, I don't know what to think, or I don't know what to do, start reading the word of God and believe it. And you know what? The first day you start reading it, you might not get an answer. 
you know what, even the second day you read it, you might not get a clear answer, but it will come. It will. If any it of will. you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth to all men liberally and mm -hmm. upbraideth not. Mm -hmm. And uh, what's the, gosh, I, you just talked about address. What's the Psalm? I've been young and I've been old, yeah. but I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Yeah. You might have to wait a while. You might be run out of town. You might be beaten. You might be left for dead like Paul was. But I think I read this verse last week. That's just a couple verses up from this one. It, Paul said, and out of all of these persecutions, the Lord delivered me. Yep. So it will come. Um, if you are at a crossroads and you're not sure what to do or what to think, start reading and, and believe the word of God. Don't, don't have the word of God dance at you and weep at you and you not mourn or you not or play the flute and weep at you and you not dance or mourn. Yeah. Because yeah. God's trying to communicate with you. That's exactly right. Isn't it amazing how much you got out of that little parable? And, you know, once you start talking about the word of God and all it is and how we should believe it, yeah. uh, this was pretty short, isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. you, you could talk for a very long time about the word of God and how we should believe it. And I, I, I'm 81. And, I, and since I was 25, I've been saying these things. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was saved when I was 11, but I got right and started studying when I was about 25. Mm -hmm. When this guy sitting next to me was a little child, that's what made me get right because of him. Mm hmm. God, put it on my heart. You better get in the word of God every day, brother. You've mm -hmm. got kids to raise. And I, I have them every day. I had the exact same thing when right before my oldest was born. Yeah. I had the yeah. same conviction. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, 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 and I praise God for it. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I can't not. I can't not go to the word. <laughs> mm -hmm. I have to. I have to. And I have to because I love it, <laughs> and it's yeah. right. I find um, there there's things that happen. Usually, this happens at work for me when you're presented with a problem or you're you're asked to organize or do something. And and for me, I get into these spots where it starts to just not make sense as I try to think through it. Something just doesn't make sense. And so <laughs> it takes me longer than it should most of the time. But I finally go, oh, wait a minute. What does the word of God says about this? Mm -hmm. And the word of God has something to say about everything. Yeah. You know, uh, it might not tell you how to stitch a wound, but it'll tell you how to take care of people. Sure. Yeah. Which will tell you how to learn how to do it. That's right. And so when I finally go back and I look at the Bible and I say, what does the Bible say about this? All this clarity starts to happen. And yeah. I go and I go, oh, now I can make sense of this. I couldn't before because I had all this things. People were telling me what's going on or they were asking me to do things or organizing in a way that didn't make sense. And I'm like, but when you bring it to God, you're like, oh, now I can make sense of all this. So a big part of that to me, this parable of uh, the children in the marketplace, generally I look at it as I'm viewing the world through that lens and I'm viewing other people that I notice them going, yeah, they're getting the flute played for them and they're not dancing. Yeah. But I do. you can do the exact same thing internally. You can say, wait, is the flute being played for me? Am I being mourned at and I'm not changing my mind? You know, 
And so it can, it goes both ways. Yes, it does. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh -huh. yep. Yeah. It, 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 there is that circle you keep talking about. Mm -hmm. And that's, and I think the, the reason this can go anyway, that circle, the authority, the truth, it can go a lot of different ways. And I think that's why Jesus ends that parable with wisdom is justified by all our children. Well, yeah. how do you know what wisdom is? Well, you read the Bible. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's it. And by the way, the difference between knowledge and wisdom, we need to understand that. Knowledge is knowing things. Wisdom is knowing how to use those things. Yeah. Wisdom mm -hmm. is how the how application of knowledge. The application mm -hmm. of knowledge. That's right. Mm -hmm. yeah. sure. yep. And so, so that's... um. You know, we're a little bit short, but, you know, I just feel like that was kind of complete. We should just stop there. I'm not going to go into any more parables. Um, okay. I, I just, I, I love that parable. Um, and hopefully I've instilled some understanding <laughs> of it. And I, and I hope you apply it. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're in your life, I hope you apply this parable. Um, yeah. th I think the final way to apply it is if you haven't believed in Jesus, um, if I can use the parables language, God is playing the flute at you and yeah. he is mourning at you. That's right. Now, what that means is he is convicting you of your need of a safe for a savior. That's right. And That's right. no matter what you've done, doesn't matter. Change your mind and believe in Jesus. Yeah. And that That's way you'll right. go to heaven. Mm -hmm. Amen. That's right. Yep. That's right. And, and, and you got all of that out of those two verses of parable. Mm -hmm. What yeah. a wonderful parable. I'm so glad yeah. it's in there. And what a wonderful book. <laughs> yeah. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, you're, you're finished with, with your exposition, I take it. I think so. I mean, I had other parables uh, ready, but you know, and I know this one's a little short, but again, that's okay. Um, I don't want to blather on if I've got nothing good to say. I think we'll just save. We'll be on the parable of the rich fool next week, and then we'll be talking about wedding invitees. And I think we'll just save that for next week. Okay. Sounds that, good. That's, mm -hmm. what, that's, that's what we'll do. I'm going to turn you back to Curtis, our host, and we can close in a word of prayer. And uh, thank you. So much. I'm, well, I'm, so glad you're, I'm so glad you're on our team. Yeah, well, Amen. And, and tell Amen. Curtis not to take the cut out of my paycheck for making this podcast a little shorter, okay? Your paycheck's got to come with the Bema seat, buddy. Well, right. That's <laughs> yeah. right. Because it's okay. not on earth for this one. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Very good. So let me close this in prayer. We'll close off this episode. And thank you so much again, Lucas, mm -hmm. for being, well, for being my friend to begin with. And uh, for being saved and having this kind of knowledge and to be on this podcast. We love having you and you got to stay with us now. You're hooked. So are we. <laughs> Father in heaven, thank you so much again for Jesus Christ, our Savior, for this, your love and your mercy and your grace and your glory. Thank you for your precious and holy word. And we thank you for men uh, that would come alongside us and preach faithfully and teach faithfully this word of God. We thank you for Lucas and J.B. Hickson and Curtis. We thank you so much for these men and the many others who are, who are holding up the, uh, uh, the word of God. Uh, we pray for someone who's listening today 
that they would receive Jesus Christ by grace through faith and be saved. And we'll be careful to give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Boy, Lucas, thank you once again for another hour of uh, some wonderful insight to uh, general parables, man. I, I, it, it never fails. I always take something new away from, uh, from uh, one of your sessions, brother. So thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, I appreciate you very, very much. I, I know our listeners do, too. And uh, uh, remind me again what we're going to be doing next week. Well, we'll be starting with the parable of the rich fool. And then after that, there's a series of parables that Jesus tells at a, a, a dinner he was invited to. Yeah. Oh, oh so, yeah. So we'll, right. we'll get to those. And some of those are kind of short. So we might do quite a few next week. Not okay. sure how far we'll get. I, I'm okay with a plethora. That's fine. And, and I'm okay with just the one we did tonight, man. There, there's so much in there. Yep. So much in there. And thank you for sharing that with us, Lucas. I really appreciate it, buddy. Um, I, I want to remind our listeners that you're usually with us every Saturday night, uh, sometimes on Sunday, uh, you know, depending on circumstances, but mm -hmm. generally the same time Saturday or Sunday night, you can tune in and and uh, share an hour with with Pastor Dick and myself and Lucas Doremus. Uh, thankful for, for you being part of our team, buddy. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. And until we meet again, uh, the three of us, uh, this is the Christian Underground News Network and your host, Kurt Chamberlain, signing off until this coming Tuesday morning when we'll have our regular Tuesday morning guest, Dr. J.B. Hickson with us. Be sure not to miss it. Until Tuesday morning, may God bless and keep you. Good night.